Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our I Believe God Sermon Series. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's go to Daniel chapter number three. Daniel three this morning. (coughs) Excuse me. Daniel 3, we've been traveling uh, through this series called I Believe God and uh, really just studying out and discovering stories of, of the faith of some believers in the word of God and how their faith was used uh, to help other people. I think right now, our very first message, Acts 27, uh, Paul going through great trial, and yet in the midst of his circumstances and trials, he said, I believe God. No matter what comes my way, no matter what storm I face, I believe God. And if you were here that first week, then you'll remember that his faith, it left a lasting impression. Uh, it made an impact on the people around us. And boy, that's true in your life and my life as well, that when you just step up as a Christian and say, you know what, I believe and I trust God no matter what, that's gonna leave a lasting impact in the lives of people around you. Last week, we looked at Abraham and specifically his wife, Sarah. And we looked in Genesis chapter number 18 and we saw her doubt. And boy, what a, what a message and a truth that resonates with every one of us. Say, what do you mean? Well, if you were here last week, you'll remember we talked about this. Every single follower of Jesus struggles with doubt. Every one of us. We have times in our life when God tells us or or puts something on our heart or burdens us with something. We have times in our life when we know God is saying, take the step, but we're saying, God, there is no way. There's no way I can do that. There's no way I could talk to them about you. There's no way I could give that. There's no way I could go there. For us, I I recounted that story of starting the church and me thinking, there's no way I could ever be a pastor. There's no way I could could step up and do that. That's my dad. That's not me. And I remember that doubt that filled me. But as soon as you begin taking those steps, man, God begins saying, see, I I can work and I can do that. And last week, we, we, we were challenged with this idea. That even when there's doubt, we will do what Sarah did. What did she do? She judged God as faithful. She discerned that that phrase judge that she considered in her own mind like a judge inside of a court. She took all of the facts from uh, from the prosecution and from the defense, from the devil's side saying doubt, 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 and God's side saying faith, 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 and she is the judge. She considered it all, and she considered God's track record. And she said, he's never let me down. He's never let my husband down. He's never let the forefathers down. He's probably not gonna start with me. I can trust God. And we were challenged last week that through the doubt, just have determination that says, regardless of all the answers, I don't have to know who and 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 why and all those different, the ifs, I don't have to know that. No, I can trust God and move forward. I believe God. Well, this morning, we're going to come to uh, another story. But before we get to the story, I want to ask you if you've ever had a, a time in your life when something didn't go your way. You know, when you don't get your way. Yeah, we've all been there. But if you had something in your life that didn't go your way and in the end you were actually glad it didn't go your way, You ever had that? Yeah, every one of us. My wife tells a story of uh, when she was a little kid. Her dad would always 
kind of play games with her mentally and, and challenge her to some things and always, always was very mentally challenging, like just tried to get them, get them to get their kids to grow. And she tells a story of her dad that he would say, hey, it'd be on a Friday. He'd say, hey, we're gonna go get an ice cream sundae. And my wife is just a little girl. She would say, no, dad, I want an ice cream today. And he'd say, hey, we're gonna get an ice cream sundae. She'd go, no, dad, I want an ice cream today. And Tom would say, her brother would say, no, dad, we want ice cream today. And he'd say, do you trust me? I don't know. I don't know if I trust you. Okay, just trust me. We're gonna get an ice cream sundae. <laughs> Dad, listen, you have to choose to trust me. <clears throat> Fine, we trust you. <sighs> okay, all right, Dad, we trust you. And pretty soon they find themselves driving through the McDonald's parking lot to get an ice cream sundae on a Friday. <laughs> and he'd always do those games with her. He, he tells another story where he would go and they'd be scooping out ice cream. And he'd go to his kids and he'd give them two scoops and then he'd go back through with his bowl and he'd take a scoop out of every one of their bowls and pile his up. And he'd just ask them, do you trust me? Dad, give me my ice cream back. Dad, please, Dad, that, I wanted two scoops. And he'd work with them a little bit on their mind, do you trust me? And pretty soon they would all, all right, Dad, we trust you. And he'd eat his five scoops and then he'd go back over to that fridge. He'd open it up, he'd bring the ice cream container out and he'd give them all three scoops now. And he was teaching the kids something. That sometimes when you don't get your way, it's better for you. And that's a lesson that we're gonna find this morning in Daniel chapter number three. And as we come here, we're actually gonna find this. We're gonna be challenged with this. Will you trust God if you didn't get your way and you never knew what was gonna happen? Would you trust God regardless of the outcome? I was asked a question this week by a man. He said, would you follow Jesus if heaven wasn't real? It's a good thought. Would you follow Jesus if this life was all, if life with Jesus here on the earth Going through life was all we were promised. If heaven wasn't real, would you still follow him? I thought about that and thought about this message. You know what? There's times in our life when we may not know what's around the corner, but we still have to choose to trust God. Now I'll tell you this, heaven is real. We do get to go to heaven. That's not part of the message. It was just a question. Heaven is very real. We're, we're promised that in scripture. But there are going to come times in our life when something that we don't know what could happen we don't know what the outcome is and we still have to choose to trust God. This morning to help us with it, we're going to go to a favorite Bible story of many. It's a story found in Daniel 3 and it's a story of three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why don't you stand with me? Daniel 3, 3 this morning. Daniel chapter three, I'll get it out there sometime. Daniel chapter three. And beginning in verse number 14, we're gonna be there in just a second, but while you're standing, let me give you the, very quickly what is taking place. 
<coughs> we'll see it in a moment in a little more in depth, but Daniel 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had made a decree, and his decree was this. If you don't bow before the 90-foot idol that I built, then you are going to be cast into the fiery furnace. It's found out that, Dan, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are not bowing. And so we're coming into that part of the story. It's just been found out, hey, they're not bowing. They're advisors to the king. They should be bowing. They should know better. And let's pick up, pick up in verse number 14. It says this, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up now? If ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. So here's what he's saying. Hey, listen, I heard that you guys haven't bowed down. I'll give you another opportunity. They're gonna play music. The orchestra's gonna play. As soon as they play, you guys bow down, it'll be well with you. Well, good, very good. It's a misunderstanding. Second part, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Daniel 3 is the story of three Jewish prisoners in a foreign land. But within these three, we're gonna discover a very courageous decision to believe and to trust in God regardless of the circumstance and regardless of the outcome. And today, we're gonna to be challenged with the exact same thing. Let's have a word of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's just take a moment and let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today. And you can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me. Dear God, please speak to me. And then make a commitment this morning that as God speaks to you, that you're listening to him, you wanna hear from him and you'll respond to him. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for how it applies to our life and how it can help us. And so Lord, we come this morning and we wanna submit to you that you would use your word to work in us and to help us. Father, I pray that as we go through the message that you would challenge us in our walk with you this week and we'd be determined that regardless of what you ask of us, that we would choose to believe you, to trust you, and to step out by faith. Love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we get started this morning, I want us to notice, first of all, the circumstances around these three. The circumstances around the three, if you were to go to our passage in Daniel, Daniel chapter number uh, uh, three again, verse one down through verse number seven, I just want to read to us kind of the, the, the idea, the text of what's taking place. 
Daniel chapter three, verse number one, you follow along as I read. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, it goes through all those people, they all come. Verse number four. Then an herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of, and he names all the instruments, what time you hear the sounds, that you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Verse number seven, at that time the music went and the end of it says that the people fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Our passage opens up, we discover the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. He was a very uh, proud man. He's raising up a, uh, uh, an image that would be nine, or 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. This would be 90 feet high and nine feet wide. And it would be somewhat of, some, some people believe it was maybe a large replica of him. That's what a lot of people think, that it was just a statue of him. Others think that it was just a, a tower. But regardless of what it was, he sets up this image. I lean towards him because it uses the word image. He sets up this idol and he gives the command. We're told that once you hear the music, you will bow, you will drop to your knees, you will drop to your face and you will bow in worship to the image. You're going to pay homage. You're going to bow to this and the threat was given if you don't do it, you're gonna be cast into a fiery furnace. Now, we've all seen the images of the fiery furnaces and different things, but I did a little research and found that a Babylonian fiery furnace would have looked somewhat like this. It'd be something like a brick kiln that you could go up on the top and throw something down in it. They found uh, remnants, I believe, of uh, what they believe would be a Babylonian furnace. And it would be something like this, a rounded one that someone would climb up the steps and go to the top and, and throw in. And they would, you know, of course, burn different things. And sad to say, but a lot of times it was offering their children and different things like that. You can go and do research of offering to the God of Molech and different things and, and what took place there. And so here's the threat. When you hear music, you bow before the image I built. If you don't bow, I'll throw you in the furnace. You'll be, you'll be thrown in. Well, in the midst of all of this, there are three Hebrew men, three young men. They would probably be about 19, 20, 21 years old. And they're there. You say, well, how did they get there? Well, you go to Daniel chapter number one, Verse number one, it says, in the year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So there was a war that took place. Nebuchadnezzar goes to Jerusalem, besieges it, takes it, grabs people, takes them captive. And the Bible tells us that in that group, Daniel 1.6 is four people. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
Their names were changed. Daniel became Belteshazzar. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My wife used to say growing up, she'd say, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. And that's what her dad used to always tell her. Your dad's coming up in in my message a lot today, babe. You know what? In the midst of these captives were these four young men. Well, if you were to go and and read the stories, Daniel 1 and 2, God gave Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego favor in the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar to the point that these three, as well as Daniel, would actually become advisors to the king. And so the circumstances surrounding these young men is this idea of they're captive, they don't belong in the land, but they've been promoted. But now this decree comes out. Bow to the false image or be thrown in the fire. We see the circumstances around the three. Notice next, the claims against the three. The claims against the three. In our passage, it's verse eight down through verse number 12. I want you to look at it with me. Daniel chapter number three, verse eight through 12. It says, wherefore at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, uh, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear, and they recount the decree. Verse number 12. These Chaldeans say, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, they have not regarded thee, They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So we continue reading and we find that these Chaldeans, they come over and they begin reporting that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three rulers, they say, king, they're uh, they're not bowing. Now, this is just kind of a side thought that I discovered this week and studied, not making it a main point, but I think it's good to know. It's interesting to me that they were turned in by the Chaldeans. And here's why it's interesting. Something took place in Daniel chapter number two, which I believe took place before Daniel three. And here's what it was. The king had a dream, Nebuchadnezzar. And he went to all of his influencers, they'd be called the magicians, the astrologers, and the advisors. The majority of them were Chaldean. Nebuchadnezzar went to them. He said, I had a dream. And if you guys don't interpret my dream and tell me what it means, I'm going to kill you all. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did in chapter number two. Well, they come back and they're like, King, we can't do that. That's impossible. Tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. He's like, no, you tell me my dream and then tell me what it means. And they're like, we can't do that. We're all gonna die. And the, the, uh, the sentence is given that they're gonna die and someone's coming to, to take Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and kill them as well because they're in that group. And the thing comes to Daniel. And Daniel, why, wait, wait, why are we gonna die? Because the order was given to give the king the dream and then interpret the dream. And Daniel makes a claim. He says, well, I know the God of dreams. I know that dreams belong to God. Give me some time, O king. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they pray. And God answers their prayer. 
shows Daniel the dream. Daniel goes, gives it to the king, interprets it. And then Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're promoted even more. Fast forward. Now we're in Daniel 3. The decree is given. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow. Daniel would have been ruling somewhere else right now. They don't bow. And who turns them in? The Chaldeans. And you say, Pastor, why is that relevant? I think it's relevant because the Chaldeans, you go and you do some research, they were a proud people. And even though Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saved their necks, they're just jealous. They're envious. How dare, how dare Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get promoted higher than me? And how, how dare they, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, like them more than me? And they're just filled with rage. So these Chaldeans, they report that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not bowing down. Can I just tell you something? That pride, pride can cause you and it can cause people around you a lot of damage. Because what takes place in verse number 13, notice what it says. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And he recounts to them that they are disobeying. And he asks them a question in the middle of verse number 15, at the end of it. And that question is this. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? You know what? The Chaldeans, they turned in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because of pride. And Nebuchadnezzar was trying to make people bow because of pride. Do you see the pride in this statement? Who's that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Hey, who's more powerful than me? Hey, 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 boys. Hey, you're looking at the king. You're looking at the one. You're looking. And he begins to be lifted up in pride. It's because of pride that the Chaldeans turned the three in. And it's because of pride that Nebuchadnezzar is doing this whole thing. And can I just tell you, when we allow pride to rule in our hearts, we have no idea who we're going to hurt in the process. No wonder the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So here's the king calling these three leaders out because of his own pride and they're facing now some consequences for these claims. They don't bow and so king, you need to, you need to call them into court Put them on trial. And why are they facing this trial? All because they stood for Jesus. Let me tell you real quick, we don't face a lot of this in our country where people are put on trial for standing for Jesus. But we need to know that it is happening. It's happening around our world for fellow believers and I think that it would be, it'd be wise of us to recall that we have freedoms, but others don't. I read this week, and maybe you read about it as well, it came out from the very first week of January, a Nigerian pastor was arrested for his faith, and they asked him to make a ransom video. And on that video, he just gave glory to God and said, regardless of what happens, I trust God. They beheaded him the very next day. 
Right now in India, Christians are being arrested and taken to, to jail. Right now in North Korea, they're being killed. Right now in China and Iran and the 1040 window, uh, Christians are being literally slaughtered. Why? Just for standing for Jesus. But can I tell you that even though we don't face that type of persecution, you take a stand for Jesus and you're gonna be marked. You're gonna be marked. It might cost you a job. It might, it might cost you a friendship. It might cost you a relationship. It might cost, I don't know what it'll cost you, but the Bible guarantees this. First, 2 Timothy 3, 12, it says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Hey, you take a stand for God. Some ridicule, some shame, some controversy, some consequences are gonna come your way. For some, that ridicule may come from a friend or a loved one. I remember years ago having a, a man that I had led to the Lord and, and he was growing in the Lord and God was working in his life and he came, he said, Pastor, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I said, well, why, what's going on? He said, because my family. He said, they just don't get it. And, and I'm, I'm facing a lot of ridicule from them, so I'm thinking I'm just gonna take a break. I'm gonna take a break from God and try to work on them. And I said, that's not the idea. That's, that's what the devil would want you to do. That's not what God would have you do. You know what? Sometimes that ridicule is gonna come. These claims against these three, they, we see the circumstances around them and the claims for them. And then now they're facing some consequences with it. But I want you to notice thirdly today, the courage. The courage of the three. I love this part of the, of the story and I love to look at it. Verse number 16, we read that knowing, knowing what is at stake, knowing what was on the line, we find their response. And I love it, verse number 16 and uh, the middle of it, here's their response. And I want you to catch it this morning. He says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Listen, at just a casual reading at that, we, we don't catch it all. They stand before the king and here's what they say. We come into your presence prepared to give you an answer. The phrase, we are not careful to answer thee, it means we don't need, we don't need time to think about this. We don't need time to reconsider our decision. We don't need time to deliberate concerning this matter. That's where we, would, we get our word deliberate from the Hebrew word that's used here to say that they were not careful to answer, that they didn't have to deliberate, didn't have to go out and make up their mind like a jury would go out and say, all right, let's weigh everything. They did not have to do that. They came in to this meeting prepared to give an answer. And here's their answer. If you throw us into the furnace, our God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, we still won't bow. That's the phrasing they use. If it be so, hey, if, God, if God's in this, 
He could deliver us. Oh, by the way, king, we're gonna be delivered from you no matter what. They knew even the promise of eternity. Hey, we're gonna be delivered from you no matter what. But regarding this fiery furnace bit, we could die in there. We know that. We still won't bow. It's like they're saying, we believe God no matter what you do and no matter the outcome. King, we believe God. You can throw us in there or not throw us in there. We believe God. We could die in there or not die in there. We believe God. You see, you and I, we read the scripture looking back. They weren't reading anything. This was a decision, just like you got up and chose to be at church today, this was a decision. They didn't know the outcome, just like you and I. We don't know the outcome of what is going to happen on January 26, 2020, today. We don't know what's gonna happen tonight. You don't know what the result is of you being at church is going to be today. We don't know the result of this coming week. That type of a decision is the decision that they're at. They're not thinking, okay, we know God's gonna deliver us. We know it's all gonna be okay. Their mindset is, regardless of what happens, we believe God. Can I tell you, this was a matter of a life and a death. This was a matter of life and death. And, and one would think that they might consider deliberating for a little bit. You know, hey, King, can we get back to you? But their decision's already made. Their decision was we choose to believe and to follow God regardless of the outcome. God may or may not save us, but we choose to follow him. We may suffer horrendously in this, but we still follow him. And King, nothing you say or do is going to persuade us otherwise. Man, I look at this, and what a courageous decision to choose to trust. Well, that courageous decision causes them to be thrown into the fiery furnace. If you go and you read the passage, verse 19, it says, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. You know what pride brings up? Wrath, anger. You wanna ever know if pride is working through you? Ask yourself if anger is the first response. Because if it is, it's pride. Why doesn't she just, why doesn't he just, why don't they? If anger is there, pride's at the root. So in fury, <clears throat> He was full of fury, and look at what it says next. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, what's that mean? Before, he was like, hey, guys, listen. You just don't understand. We're friends. We're in this. You know, he's, he's like Brian leading a song. And Brian, a blessing to watch the singer. It reminds me to smile. I can see that Nebuchadnezzar standing there, you know. Hey, guys, when you hear the music, just sing. I just compared you to Nebuchadnezzar. That's messed up. <laughs> but you have this. Listen, you have, you have Nebuchadnezzar and, and it's his visage, his countenance is friendly towards them up until verse 19. But then they don't do what he wants and his visage, his countenance changes. You didn't bow? You didn't bow? And he, he begins to get furious. And look at what takes place. 
Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. You see what he does? This is amazing. And this identifies the pride that is there. He, he says, hey, who's the three strongest soldiers we have? Where are they at? Hey, you guys come here. Hey, you come here. And he gets the three strongest. Now, I don't think he did that because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just some cut, buff young men. I don't think that. He wasn't thinking, oh, they're gonna fight. They haven't fought up till now. No, it's fury, it's pride, it's anger, it's wrath just bleeding from him. And he says, get the three strongest, get, get the strongest soldiers. And they bind them and they take them up to throw them in. Verse number 22, or 23. Nope, 22. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Everything's done so quickly that the three soldiers who throw them in, they now are dead. It kind of made sense to me when you look at the, um, at the furnace that I talked about just a second ago, it makes sense of how they died. I, I was always, you know, I was always wondering, like, you know, as a little kid, you see the story and it's like a little wall like this with a furnace in it and, you know, the soldiers like walk up and throw them in and as I, as I was a little kid, it's like kind of scary to me that, you know, they're like right here and the fire, like a hand just reaches out and kills the three and there's this mind like, man, that's crazy. But you look at something like this, it'd be very easy to realize what happened. The flames are hot the three go up and throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in and literally right when they lean over, that heat gets to them and they fall in and they die or they fall out and they die. <clears throat> and these three, they're now there in the uh, fiery furnace all because of a decision not to bow. Pretty amazing faith, isn't it? Oh, well, pastor, they knew. No, 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 remember, they did not know. I mean, I seriously, I just stand in amazement in their faith. And this week, as I was studying, and specifically on Wednesday, as I was putting everything together, I, I sat in my office and tears came to my eyes thinking, God, help me to have that kind of a faith. Because they were predetermined to trust God, even if things did not go their way. And that's what one man said. They went into this meeting predetermined to trust the Lord. And even if things went totally opposite of what would be ideal for them, they saw the bigger picture and chose to trust their God. I love the thought that even though, I mean, they're going into this and they said, regardless of the outcome of my situation, I choose to believe God. I will follow him and I will stand for him regardless of what happens to me. This is trusting. Listen, this is trusting that God has a bigger plan than you, what you can see. This is Philippians 1.6 faith, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is Romans 8, 28, faith. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The problem is, 
we like to know what's going to happen. <laughs> the fear of the unknown is not something that we enjoy. If I take this step of faith, I want my, I want my what ifs answered. This is where we need some more believers to say, I don't have to have all the answers. I believe God. Regardless of the outcome, I still believe God. If God doesn't answer the prayer the way I'm praying, I still believe and I'll follow. If God does the exact opposite of what I'm asking and what I think is ideal, I still believe and I will follow. I would ask you this morning, where are the Christians in Moses Lake, Washington who would say, I'm going to uh, follow and take the faith steps that God is leading and asking me to take regardless of what happens. If God doesn't provide, I will still follow and give. If everything does fall apart, I will still invest my, in my family the things of God. If I fall flat on my face and everybody sees it, I will still follow God because I believe him. Even if somebody doesn't come to Christ, I will still tell people about Jesus. And I just want to know, I want us to understand and know that God, he asks us to take faith steps and God desires that you and I would take them regardless of the outcome. Stop living a what if Christianity. Stop living a God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. And start living a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego type faith that says, God, I don't care what you do. I love you and I follow you. Man, live a faith that says, God, I trust you. God, I don't have to know. Man, that's the type of faith we see and what a, what a courageous step these men took. We see the courage of the three, but I want you to notice lastly with me today, I want us to notice the companion of the three. They have courage to stand and notice what takes place. They're thrown in the fire, verse 23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He was astonished. He was amazed. And he rose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors, did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, uh, true, true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar's there, and he's peering into the flames, and he sees not three, but he sees four. He calls his counselors, and he says, hey, didn't we throw three in there? Why do I see four? And that fourth one, it looks like it could be God. It looks like it could be the Son of God. And when they were thrown, didn't we bind them? But I see them up and walking. And there's someone walking in their presence. And it looks like God. There's so much we could do this morning, but I, we don't have time. But what I simply want us to take note of is this. That when these three got thrown into the flames... When they were at their lowest, God reminds them of his presence through it all. They were at their lowest. They were in the flame. And, and let me just tell you this morning that in this moment, in, the, in this moment, while they're walking around the flames with God, they still didn't know what the outcome was gonna be. 
Did you know at this time, most Hebrews believed that if you saw an angel or if you saw a, a, a pre-incarnate Christ, you saw something heavenly, they believed that you would die. So you know what I can see? I can see them standing up and kind of amazed, like, guys, what happened to, our, what happened to the ropes? What happened to us being bound? And then <gasps> Shadrach, hey, um, there's someone in here with us. Uh, Abednego, look, 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 look. I see it, Meshach, I see it, man. And they're standing and, and right in front of them, just like me and Leo, they're staring at the presence of God. You know what I think they might've thought? We're dead. At that, listen, I, I'm reading it, that's what I think they thought, like this is it, like he's come to take us. Oh, we know we're gonna be delivered, but I don't wanna die. I'm only 19 years old. I'm only 20 years old. And in the midst of that storm, listen, in the midst of that storm, God reminds them, I'm always with you. And can I just help us understand something this morning that they were not given the promises that you and I are given in, word, in the word. They were not given Hebrews, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. They were not given my presence shall go with you. They were not given, I will be in you and I will guide you. They were not given, howbeit the spirit of truth will come and will guide you into all truth. They were not given, it is more expedient that I go away because if I go not away, the spirit will not come unto you because I want my spirit to lead you. They weren't given the, the uh, actual presence of God within them. And yet God reminds them, I am with you. Can I just give you this this morning and we'll, we'll be done? When you make, listen, when you make decisions to stand for God, God will always remind you that he's with you. He will always come alongside and say, I'm in the furnace with you. Hey, you may be going through a trial. I'm with you in this. Hey, you may be going through a health situation. I'm with you. He's given us the promises of his word. He's given us the promise of scripture. And for you and I, we just need to know and understand that as we make decisions, we need to let that influence our decision because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had courage to say, regardless of the outcome, we trust God. We don't even know if he's with us in this. But you have the promise. And so next time when God comes to you and says, hey, take the step of faith, say, okay, and know God is with you. Say okay, and know that regardless of the outcome, you can believe and you can trust God. In the end of this, God receives the glory. Look at the end of verse number 29, Nebuchadnezzar says this, there is no God that can deliver after this sort. Can I tell you this morning, God was the one that gave them the strength to make the decision to believe in the first place. And he showed up in the end to prove it and he received glory. So many lessons for us that I want us to walk away with this morning, but it's this, simply this truth. Regardless of outcome, these three decided to trust and to follow the Lord. They didn't need all their questions answered. They didn't need to know that everything was gonna work out and be hunky-dory. They didn't need to know the future because they knew who held the future. And I love that thought. They didn't need to know the future because they knew the one that held the future. 
And regardless of what happened to them or what happened around them, they simply believed and followed God. So I wanna ask you this morning, will you make the decision that regardless of the outcome, you will believe and follow God? Regardless of what the answer to that prayer is, you'll pray it and you'll follow him. Regardless of if things go your way or not, you'll believe him and you'll follow him. Regardless of who comes with you and who follows you, you will believe him and you will follow him. Regardless of how that person responds to the gospel, you will believe him and you will follow him. Regardless of what happens in your finances, you will believe him and you will follow him. Because regardless of the outcome, I believe God and by faith, I follow him. Whether things happen the way I want them to or not, I will trust that God is working and he is in control. The three had courage to trust God and I believe that in spite of their circumstances, they still held to that belief. Regardless of what was going on, regardless of the outcome, we are not careful to give thee an answer in this matter, O king. They were predetermined. I believe God. Can I tell you, at the end of the day, God showed up, glorified his name, and gave a wonderful answer and did a wonderful work. And the same is true in your life. That when you stand up, when you believe and follow God, God promises, I will work it for good. They didn't even have that promise. We do. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. That decision, will you make the decision that regardless of outcome, you will believe and follow God? Will you choose that today? God, you've been asking me to witness to this coworker. I'm gonna step out and do it. God, you've been asking me to put you first in my marriage. I'm gonna step out by faith and do it. God, you've been asking me to, to give. Step out by faith and I'm gonna do that. Whatever it is, I, I could go through a whole list of things that God might be asking you to take. Will you make the decision today? God, regardless of the outcome, I believe you and I choose to follow. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.